everybody. Welcome to your weekly Brad Tuttle Ministries Bible study time. I am so glad that you have joined me today. Uh, we're going to go through the Word of God and we're going to learn about a particular topic that the Holy Spirit really laid on my heart for today. I did want to tell you that I'm going to be doing a series or whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to preach several, uh, do several different Bible studies on a Bible study on the Holy Spirit and who he is and what he does and how we need him in our lives and uh, how he came to be and just everything about him that I can uh, get together and gather for you. I think it's a topic that a lot of churches unfortunately kind of stay away from because they don't want to get into you know different aspects of it but i think that he's the third person of the godhead and he's vital in our lives and we really need the power of the holy spirit operating in our lives today i've done a couple two previous uh, sermons on that but i want to do a literal bible study on the holy spirit and uh, we will look at that and break that down over the next few weeks but today well i wanted to start off i like that shirt Jesus is Lord. I mean, you can't say it any better than that, right? Jesus is Lord. This is my The Officer Tatum shirt. Shout out to Officer Tatum for this great t-shirt. Jesus is Lord. I wear this. Think about it. You wear this wherever you go. Bam. What else do you need to say? Jesus is Lord. So good on you, Officer Tatum. Great job on the shirts. Great job on your podcast. Good man of God. So check him out. But we're going to get into a topic today that is, I think, is very necessary for us to uh, deal with uh, a little bit. We're going to study through this. We're going to take our time. Uh, we're going to title this for this Bible study, Learning How to Win the Battle. Learning How to Win the Battle. And as you all know, you're in the midst of this right now. Well, I got a whole different look here, don't I? Do you like that? If you do, let me know. Say I like it. Um, but we're in, a whole, we're in a situation right now where we know that uh, there is a great need to know how to fight the battles that we are in. You know, we're in this uh, really evil time, even in this nation. And, you know, we know where all this evil stems from. And I pray a lot on our Sunday morning Facebook prayer times. If you're not a part of that, you need to get a part of that. Just friend us on Facebook. And then ask us to put you on the Harvest Prayer Base uh, Facebook Live prayer time on Sunday mornings at 9.15. And we'll do that. And you can join in with us. But a lot of times on there when I'm praying, I pray about, the, about what's going on in the sense of we all know the foundation of all the evil going on is the, the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, which we're going to mention today, that are behind the scenes that are pushing all the agendas and that are using people uh, to fulfill their agendas on the earth or and in this nation. And uh, we need to know that we are in a fight. So that's today's topic, learning how to win the battle. And we're going to be in that great set of scripture verses in Ephesians chapter 6, verses, I'm going to actually read through verses 10, 18 in a little bit. And we're going to be really looking at verses 10 through 13 today. And uh, as we break these down and apply this to our lives, this very needed knowledge uh, that uh, we need to learn how to grab a hold of and look at it. And because so many things are pressing in on us right now, and we need to see through spiritual eyes what in the world is going on. 
And uh, how, how can all this be coming to pass? Why is there so much perversion? Well, this is a spiritual attack, right? This is the evil spreading across our nation. And so, again, we're going to learn how to win the battle. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. If you have a Bible, get there right now. We'll be there in just a second. I wanted to read you something that came across on uh, the Internet uh, on one of the uh, conservative posts. Um, it, it, it's a, it was a, a, an article that started off talking about the Satanism that's going on now that's running rampant in the country. And I wanted to read this real quick as a starting point to learning how to win the battle. It, it, it said this, a cadre of witches, Satanists, and devil worshipers have crept out of the darkness to display their rage over the Supreme Court's ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade. Good on that, Roe v. Wade. Amen. Good stuff on that. Pray for those justices and their protection. Goes on to say, some of these evil activists have been summoning demonic forces, de demonic forces, engaging in spiritual attacks and verbal assaults against pro-life advocates and Christians outside of the high court as they have prayed for peace for the nation. Matt Staver, founder and chairman of the Liberty Council, a nonprofit Christian religious rights law firm, said the witch-like protesters attempted to scare members from his DC office as they held a prayer vigil outside the Supreme Court. If you're in Christ, you never gotta be afraid of people like this. Quote, black robed men and women began arriving on the scene, screaming obscenities over their prayers. A pro-abortion demonstrator brought a wagon carrying a large boombox, blurring satanic music and noise. A woman walked right up to our podium and stood next to the pro-life speaker. Staver continues, every time the pro-lifer spoke, the woman would scream unmentionable curses into a megaphone pointed at the podium microphone. The pro-abortion crowd began cursing the justices, the people praying, and vehemently cursing God. You don't curse God. You're on the hit list. I'll tell you that right now. Goes on to say he noted that the witches and warlocks were persistent in their efforts to drown out the Christians praying, but the intercessors would not give up. That's great. He went on to say Staver reports a man dressed like a warlock targeted senior women who were praying on the steps. Senior women, older women, who were praying on the steps of the Supreme Court said the warlock would crowd one woman at a time. Boy, that's a really tough guy. He's going to go up and crowd this, this older lady and try to scare her. Is that He was making so the sign of Satan over each woman's head. As he made the sign, guttural growls in a language our staff could not understand, issued from his throat as he spat his demonic curses over the women. One by one, he tried to corner and curse them, Staver said. Nonetheless, the intercessors continued to pray. Bang, 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 bam, bam, bam. One of my staff members who was in attendance says, the longer we prayed, the more anxious and agitated the Satanists became because there's power in prayer, especially when it's bolstered by the Holy Spirit. He said, women dressed like prostitutes began to arrive, leaving little of their exposed bodies to the imagination. Of course, they gleefully joined the melee, the witches and warlocks had begun. Staver said the disturbing protests haven't been isolated incidents. Satan worshipers have covered sidewalks with black magic ritual circles and candles, performing their dark incantations near midnight most evenings. Half-burnt candles and other garbage of active witchcraft lay scattered on the public spaces around the court. It ended with, or came to a close, one of the statements was, so far more than 40 pro-life women's clinics and other pro-life institutions, including churches, have been burned and vandalized before and after Friday's big decision. 
First of all, if you are in Christ, you have no reason to fear any of that uh, or those types of people. The, the power source that is in you is so much, they have no power. And any power they have does nothing but try to destroy. They have no power over a child of God. You have victory and power over them. So you keep praying, you keep interceding, and you will be the one that's victorious out of all this. But it shows us we're in this big, we're in a very great spiritual battle. It's a battle that every Christian needs to understand that is true and is very, very real. This is not a fable. It's not a myth. It's not something made up, but they are real. The devil and his cohorts are real and they work daily to ruin the effectiveness of men and women of God and the body of Christ and their testimony to the world. It's one of the biggest things the enemy does to men and women of God is to steal their testimony. In other words, people will then look at you and go, well, why would I want to serve Christ? Look at you. You know, you act like you're still in the world or you're not saved. Well, that's what he tries to do. Steal your, one of the most, one of the most precious things you have as a man and woman of God is your testimony. And you need to live your life and walk it in integrity. And that way, you make yourself so much more effective in a world that's lost and dying going to hell. I don't care if they say people don't want to hear the gospel. We still got to give them the gospel. The gospel still has to come forth because I think I put this later on in the sermon but I'll, or the Bible study, but I'll just say this now. You know, our hope, there, there, there's only one real hope for us. It's not, it's not a necessarily a conservative president, um, although that would be good. That's not our hope, a new man in the office. That's not, that's not our hope, new, uh, new, better gas prices. That's not our hope. Our hope, the only real hope we have is the gospel message being preached because the only hope for anything to ever turn around is when people's lives are turned around. And people's lives are not turned around until they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, the gospel has power in it. It's living and active. When you share the gospel and someone responds to that gospel and repents and believes upon Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, it says they now take them out of all that darkness and put them into light. And now your light shines out uh, brightly amongst the people and whatever, wherever you go in your life. And now you make a difference because your life is now transformed by Christ, your, your mode of thinking, your belief system, your worldview, that all changes because of what Christ has done in you. That's how we turn things around. But it, we can't let the devil stifle the church from getting out there and being effective witnesses. Remember, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Acts 1.8 says he's going to give you power. But one of the reasons the Holy Spirit comes and one of the reasons Jesus sent the Spirit was that the Spirit could come dwell inside of us, fill us, and then give us the power to be effective witnesses for Christ. So every one of us who are born again should be out. Should we, we should be asking the Holy Spirit, fill me today with the power to be a witness. Fill me today with your power to be a witness. Because that filling is continual. That filling is a continual thing. It talks about that over and over. We, 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 we continually ask to be filled. But we, when we're filled, we ask him, give me the power. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a great witness. And so then once we're doing that, we're all going out and we're living our lives. But then we're also proclaiming the gospel. People are being saved. I don't care if it's one at a time. People are being saved and then their lives are being changed. The worldview begins to change. And now everything, they, they vote different. They think different. They act different. It's just that's, that's our main hope is the gospel being preached. Uh, that's why the devil's doing a great job of trying to shut the church down and trying to cause the church to be woke, 
to ruin the church's effectiveness. The church always needs to stand in truth, right? It always needs to stand in truth. So back to the attack. We as men and women of God then are the devil's main targets. I lived for the devil for 27 years of my life. He left me alone because I was serving him. Remember, you're either serving you're either serving Satan or you're serving God. You can't, there is no in between. You're e either on the devil's team or you're on God's team. The only way to get on God's team is come through Christ the Son. He's the way, truth, and the life. The only way to the Father. So you got to go through Jesus Christ. But once you're on God's team, you're on the winning team. But he doesn't affect the devil doesn't affect those people that are on his team because he already knows they're in sin and they're doing what they're going to do, right? But he targets men and women of God because and he targets everything we stand for. The gospel. Uh, God himself, the word of God. Why is there such an attack on the word of God? Because the devil knows if he can get it in people's minds that the word of God is some old book of history, some old, old archaic book that doesn't matter for today, then he takes out of their life uh, that truth that should be changing their lives. Um, he, The main target is everything, again, that we stand for, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and, of course, the gospel message. So that's his attack on us. But in the strength and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have victory over all of that. And I want you to hear that. If I go no further than to say that in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, filled up with the Holy Spirit, we always have the victory over every single assault and scheme of the devil. We're always victorious. We're always victorious. I don't, a Christian should never live a defeated life. We're never or act defeated or we don't, we shouldn't feel defeated. It may, you know, we may get a quick run through us and feel it, but we can't sit there. We're not defeated. We're victorious because of who we are in Christ and because of what Christ has given us. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to, in a minute, we're going to talk about putting on the spiritual armor that you see in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, 10 through 18. But again, I'll say the devil works on believers daily. He doesn't leave men and women of God alone. And the more you're trying to do for God, the more he's going to be trying to come into your life. So you always got to be aware of that. You always got to be prayed up. You always got to be filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're fighting and engaged in those battles and you're always seeing the victory. Amen. We must understand he's got schemes. The Bible calls them wiles and tactics. And we're going to look at a few of those today, but there's a gravity to this struggle that we need to realize that we are in, but we need to do something about it. We need to learn how to always win the battle. Amen. So how important is this? Well, I've known men and women of God who have let the devil get a toehold in their life over some uh, temptation, um, something in their lives, and the devil will use that to destroy their lives, destroy their testimony. Remember, he can't steal your salvation, but he can destroy your testimony. He can sure get believers into a place of uh, uh, discouragement and downtroddenness. Um, some some have let, even to the point of that letting drugs take over their life, pornography. Of course, that's a big one, even in the body of Christ. I mean, the devil loves it when a Christian gets hooked on pornography. He is going to steal your ability to witness. He's going to steal your effectiveness to be the man or woman of God you've been called to be because you can't get filled up when you're filled up with that type of stuff, right? We need to be completely filled, yielded, and submitted to the Holy Spirit so that stuff cannot have any part in our lives. Um, maybe some have turned away from God 
they've turned away. God's never turned away from them. Uh, they Now they're chasing some worldly philosophy. And we see that in our nation today. Um, our nation, which I believe is now finding itself in the judgment of God. Uh, I read a thing on Justice Scalia warned 15 years ago. He said, there are far reaching implications of our nation's turning away from its founding principles and it remains to be seen how long America will survive the resulting massive disruption of its social order. Yeah, when we get away from God, when a nation rejects God, it says it'll be turned into hell. When a nation rejects God, and you can see the rejecting of God from the highest office in our nation on down, you know, you see this whole Sodom and Gomorrah type spirit that's just flooding across our nation, just absolute, Not it's not even worth talking about or mentioning it because they don't deserve to be mentioned, but the absolute... Uh, just this rushing of perversion uh, of every kind that's going across this nation. Listen, America right now is burning, you know, in essence. And we're seeing Romans right now taking place, I believe. If you don't know what it says, read Romans 1. You'll see the judgment of God. God said, if you want to, you know what, if you want to suppress the truth about me so much, you want to keep suppressing the truth about me, then you know what, I'm going to turn you over to your own lusts and your own desires. That's what we see. Men and women turning over into debauchery, uh, all types of uh, perverted lusts. And we see that happening in our nation. And this whole attack on believers, it is a story that's repeated again and again, and, and sometimes in life after tragic life. And the devil does achieve sometimes momentary success because that individual was not aware of his schemes. That individual was not aware of what was going on because that individual was not prayed up that individual was not walking in the power of the holy spirit i cannot stress enough you've got to be praying every single day how long five minutes i used to give people a break and say well pray 15. i don't i'll pray an hour every morning and i do that for a reason because when jesus was in the garden of gethsemane and he went off to pray he prayed on even jesus needed to pray even jesus needed the power of the holy spirit in his life he went off to pray and he prayed all night and then he came back into the garden and he saw his buddy, the disciples there and he asked him, you guys were sleeping and you know, you try to give him a break and say, well, they're probably really tired. No, he looked at him and said, could you guys not even tarry with me or for one hour? Could you not even pray or intercede with me for one hour? And I've taken that one hour and I've made that kind of my foundation for how long I pray each morning. And uh, if I don't get that hour in, I don't feel, I, I don't, I don't, I feel a little out of sorts. So I make sure I get her done. I make sure I get that done. Amen. So we need to know, we need to stay in the power of God and stay in, filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me read Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read it from my, one of the reasons I wanted to turn our uh, camera this way is because I really wanted to get the word of God seen. Um, because this is our power source. This right here. This is our power source. This is the Word of God. This is God's infallible, inspired Word, and in it is living and active uh, power inside this Word. And so we can't live without the Word of God. So let me read to you from this Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 verses 18. And we're going to focus again on 10 through 13 at first. So he says, finally, my brethren, and that finally there um, is not a conclusion, but it, it's saying rather insofar as the rest of life and its challenges are concerned, we need to deal with it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in the strength of his might, or in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Some versions say to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle. So we see a battle here. There's a wrestling. I wrestled in high school. Wrestling is tiring. Wrestling is one of the most exhausting sports there is. Great wrestlers, Division I wrestlers, or any two or three division, whatever they are, they are some of the most fit people in the world. They are absolutely physically fit because they got to be for that battle, that constant straining and pulling and twisting and stretching. you got to be fit for that. So for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So we're not wrestling against people. We get aggravated at people because they're letting themselves be used. But our battle's not with the people, our battle's with what's going on behind the scenes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. This is all demonic stuff, Satan and all his demonic forces. Principalities, powers, and the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All around. That we can't see, this battle's going on, it's raging all around us. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, here we go again, stand or withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So when he's talking about the rulers and the powers and the world forces of darkness against the spiritual force of wickedness, he's explaining and showing that there's a hierarchy of evil, invisible, supernatural beings. And they're being organized and determined to disrupt. I listed a few. Disrupt, discourage, disillusion, discomfort, disarm, dissatisfy, distract, disappoint, disgruntle, dishearten, distress, disqualify, disquiet, dispossess, disturb, disunite, destroy, deceive, etc., etc., all the while seeking to cause believers to doubt the word of God and the faithfulness and the goodness of God, right? So we often hear this phrase, there's a battle between good and evil, but this passage makes it abundantly clear that evil is not some imaginary inanimate force, but instead it is an active, listen to this, organized evil penetrated by an invisible, albeit not invincible foe. He's not invincible, but he knows how to do, uh, he knows how to do damage in people's lives. Too many believers have fail to realize that they're engaged in this titanic spiritual struggle and that they were drafted into God's army the moment they were saved by grace through faith. The moment you came to faith in Christ, you now join the army of God. You now join the army of God. Amen. You're in the army. You have been drafted into the army. To be ignorant of this, of our calling, and ignorant of the magnitude of this struggle is a very dangerous uh, ignorance in our lives. So then he goes on in verse 14, stand firm again, therefore having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is the, this is the armor he's talking about. You got to put on truth, put on the breastplate. Well, let me say that real quick and I'll, I won't get so much into this today, but the whole aspect of the armor of God, no one thing, you already have the belt of truth on you through your salvation. You're in truth. You already have the breastplate of righteousness on you because when you got saved, he clothed you in righteousness. 
Your feet are already shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace through your salvation. Then he says in verse 16, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith. That's something you got to pick up every day. That fights all the fiery darts that the devil throws at you, whatever doubts, temptations, fears, anxieties, and all that stuff. That fights that, that shield of faith. It says, with, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And then in verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So you put on the helmet of salvation. You put on, you pick up the, the shield. You put on the helmet and you pick up the sword, which is the word of God. And the word of God is that thing that you use. It's like a that short sword they used to use back in those days that was just used for close quarters, close quarter battle. And that is an effective and wicked weapon. Well, so is the word of God. It is a it, it is the most effective weapon against the enemy. It's the word of God. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, how did Jesus respond? He responded with the word of God to the devil. That's how we deal with him. That's why you got to memorize scripture. That's why you got to live in the word of God and plant it into your heart. So you're someone who's got God's word down inside of you. So you got this weaponry on you. You're already you're already clothed in righteousness. You're already in truth. You got the you got the, your feet are shod with the gospel of peace. You picked up your shield of faith for the day. You put on your helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, the way you think and act. And you pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is your offensive weapon against the enemy. The greatest weapon you can carry is God's word in your heart to begin to use it against all these attacks that come against your life. And I tell people. If you have a particular problem the devil seems to come at you with or the world of the flesh seems to bang on you with all the time, get a scripture verse or two about that. Memorize it. Whenever that tries to come against you, man, just quote that thing. Speak that verse back to that. If it's your flesh, if it's the world, I don't know what it, you know, we're going to talk about that. Three things against us, devil, world, and flesh. Whichever category it is, you speak the word of God back to that in Jesus' name and you're always going to have the victory because the word cannot be defeated. The word cannot be defeated. Somebody say that with me. The word cannot be defeated. So spiritual warfare, as in human warfare, we, the key to victory is to know our enemy. We need to know the enemy and we need to know his strategies. Amen. And we, need, we get a hold of that through the word of God and through prayer because the devil is a cunning strategist. Believe me, he knows how to um, try to take people down. He knows people's weaknesses. He knows your hot buttons. He knows which button to push to get you to go off, to get you to to lust, to get you to get angry, to get you to cuss, whatever you're, whatever he you, you know you know is not right before God. He'll do it. You know, um, somebody I've heard people say, "Well, I thought when you became a Christian that the battle stopped. That you know Satan could no longer touch you. It's not so much that he can touch you." But as he can harass you, and believe me, again, I'll say again, once you became, once you got saved in Christ, you now jumped onto the hit list, and he's going to target you harder than anybody. He's going to target you more than, than you were before you were saved, amen? So we're at spiritual war. We're in spiritual warfare right now. We're in a battle, and the church is not a cruise ship with the pastor as the master of ceremonies. It is not a showboat, but the church should be a battleship. And we're called to see Satan's strongholds crumble under the power of heaven's artillery. We do not have the luxury of neutrality. We must engage in the fight. And a truce will never be called. We are on the side of the cross that has victory. Amen. You're no longer lost in your sins. You are born again. You are saved. 
You're a child of God. And God's will for us is not that we merely survive, but that we thrive in total victory. General Douglas MacArthur said, In war there is no substitute for victory. We must be aware of our enemy. If we would have this victory, we need to learn of our infernal foe. So yes, the devil's been defeated by Christ. You know that. If you don't, you need to know it. But he's allowed to continue his schemes and thusly is not completely harmless. Let me read you a verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says this. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So he has an ability still to have an effect in our lives, but not defeat us. We have the victory. We are told as men, as men and women of God um, who are genuinely, if you're genuinely of the Lord, you're genuinely in Christ, um, you are delivered from total defeat. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. You're delivered from total defeat. And I don't hesitate to emphasize that. You are delivered from total defeat. You may not seem like it. Again, I come back to this again, but you, if it doesn't seem like it, you're not, you need to be praying. Get a hold of prayer. Get filled up with the Spirit. The Spirit of God, again, He's Christ has sent him to us to be our power source. To live inside of us and give us the power to be overcomers. Not barely getter buyers, but overcomers in Jesus' name. Believers are told to resist the devil. We see that in James 4.7. Write that down. In 1 Peter 5.8-9. So James 4.7 and 1 Peter 5 eight through nine, we are told to resist him and, uh, and, and not to cast him. And, and, uh, know this too. I've heard Christians think that they could be possessed by demons. A Christian cannot, a, a born again believer filled with the Holy Spirit cannot be possessed by the devil. But again, he can demoralize you. Don't let anybody teach you that garbage. That is so not true. You cannot be possessed. If you're possessed, you're not a Christian. You're not. You're. You're. You can't be. You can't be filled with the spirit and then possessed by the devil at the same time. It's not going to happen. There's no place in there where that's going to take place. And so people try to do that, and then they have deliverance stuff. And oh, you're not. You're a child of God. You're in victory. You're on the victory side of the cross. You're victorious in everything that you do. You have that available to you. Amen. You can win the battle. Learn today. We're learning how to win the war. Learn how to win the war. And one of those is to resist him. Um, Again, I've talked about he can he can cause us to fear. He can make us miserable. He can make us weak. He can make us, therefore, unfruitful in the things of God. He can do that. But we don't have to give in to that. Even though there's a battle, we're always winning. Putting on a whole armor of God, standing firm, moving into power of the Holy Spirit, operating in a great depth of prayer and intimacy with God. You do that. You're going to be an undefeatable foe, an undefeatable person. You're going to be, he can't, he's not going to be able to do anything to your life. Hey, listen, you know, I've seen, it's, it's quite possible for, to be more unhappy and miserable as a Christian than you ever were before you became a Christian, at least for a period of time, because you know why? You're giving into the battle. 
you get you're giving into the battle and I, you know I, I can't the greatest word of counsel that I can give you is get praying man get praying get filled up with the spirit walk in the power of the spirit walk in the power of the Holy Spirit's made available to you be that man of God that walks uh, with power and authority through your life and through your day you're not giving in to the world the flesh the devil and even if we don't have a time to get to that today we'll get we'll get there later but those things that are trying to come against you, you have the ability to walk past that, walk through that, to win that battle in Jesus' name. Wow. That's why we have to stay up, filled up with the Holy Spirit and his power. Again, Acts 1.8 said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He comes into you. That's one of the identifying marks that you know. If you're if you're in Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. But I do believe there is a place where we can walk in that sense of a greater power source because we have yielded our lives to Him. We have submitted our lives under Him. We have completely surrendered our lives to Him. And that allows Him to completely come in and fill us full so that we begin to walk in this great sense of power in our lives. I'm telling you. It's there. It's true. Um, it's true. Our verses say to put on the whole armor of God, to resist, and then to stand firm. Again, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee for you from you. So that word submit, this is a good thing, learning how to win the war. Submitting. Submitting means to arrange under, to willingly accept and put yourself under the authority of God. Our nation is in trouble because it's being led by people who are being influenced by the devil or maybe they're possessed one or the other either way they are taking our nation from being one nation under god again and they're trying to set themselves up as god when you take yourself out from under the authority of god you're in a world of hurt so submit yourselves therefore to god in other words you're going to be you need to position yourself in proper order and that order is to put yourself under the, the authority of god and where it says submit, it means to obey. So put yourself under the authority of God in your life and begin to obey what his word tells you to do. Don't be disobedient, children. You're going to get away from being used by God. You're going to be in sin, and now you're not going to be effective for the kingdom of God. You've got to be effective in these last days. You're going to do it through prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit, the armor. You've armored up. You're standing firm. You submitted yourself to God. You've arranged under yourself under his authority, and now you are fully obeying his word. The word resist means to oppose. We are to oppose the devil, and he will flee from you in Jesus' name. I can't fight him in my own power. I fight him in the power of Christ and the power of the Spirit. I always evoke the name of Jesus. Listen, Satan is not equal in power or authority to God. He's powerful, but he's not invincible. He flees from saints who wear armor, who wear the armor of God and who resist him and who stand firm in the strength of the Lord, who stand firm in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. He will run from believers like that. That's what you need to be. You need to be so filled up and so walking in power that he has absolutely no effect on your life. And then you can make a great impact in the world that you live in and the life that you live on a daily basis. So our ability to resist starts with our right position under 
God's authority? Have you submitted yourself to the authority of God? Are you trying to do everything your own way? Well, then you're then then you're then you're in a problem. If you're if you're not submitting your life under the authority of God, you're probably in some kind of a problem right now. You're probably going through something, and he's if you're truly saved. If you're truly saved, the devil's been attacking you and you can't find victory. It's because you've not submitted yourself under the authority of God. You're probably not praying like you should. I'm not trying to be criticized. I'm just trying to critique. Um, if, if, you're, if you're in a place and you can't seem to find victory, you're probably not praying like you should. You're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit like you should. And you have not submitted yourself under the authority of God and obey his word like you should. You need to get those things together. Get those things together, put on a whole armor of God, and you're going to walk in that victory that you've always dreamed of walking in. It's there for you. Um, it's there for you. You know, John 8, 44 says, the devil's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. That's all he knows to do. He is a murderer, and he, he, he his strategy is to murder. Uh, why do you think he, why do you think uh, all the Satanists come out when it comes to the Roe v. Wade thing? They, they hate the fact that lives will be saved. They hate, hate the fact that we're not going to kill babies. Um, so the strategy of the devil is to murder, to destroy, to destroy life in the womb, to destroy the minds of children with perverted sexual immorality, drag queens, queerness now in all their movies and all their cartoons, destroy the minds, warp the minds of children, children going to, uh, there was something about a parade going on, probably a gay parade or pride, whatever the stupid things are. And the guy was, there were men completely naked and there's women, there's kids there. And I don't see how, I don't, we, are we living in a day? When these kind of guys are not arrested for for uh, public lewdness or some kind of a, of a of a crime against children, and they let these guys do this, um, that's that's where we are. The devil's on a rampage, and he's coming against the minds of children too. We need to be praying for them. He's a liar. He tells the opposite of biblical truth. He tells the absolute. And the funny thing is, these guys that were I read that article where these guys are. Um, doing the signs of the Satanism over the people's heads and cantations is so powerless against us. That is so powerless against us. And they don't realize they're on their way to hell. They're on their way to burn. They're on their way to be separated from God and be tormented for the rest of their eternity, all the while they think they're serving the greater one, when they're serving the one who, who in the end, ends up being completely defeated. And the Bible says in one, one place that we're all going to look at him and go, this is the one? This is the one that I let bother me so much? Um, that's the truth of it, y'all. And we need to be we need to be people that are living above that stuff. Um, he tries, the devil tries to oppose the work of God by murdering, deceiving, and by destroying. His very name in the book of Revelation is Apollyon, a uh, destroyer. He's a destroyer at work among men. He wants to smash, tangle, twist, mutilate. Um, he deceives, lives, distorts, counterfeits, masquerades by illusion and fantasy. That's what Paul called the wiles or schemes of the devil. Uh, we read through the Bible, see over and over about the snares and traps of the enemy. Um, and he will try to attack you one of two ways, directly or indirectly, as men and women of God. And the direct way is possession. Again, I tell you again, you cannot be possessed by a devil. Um, it's funny, though, you look around our nation right now, what's going on. It looks like some of the people in the highest offices of leadership looks like they are possessed by the devil because of the things that they do and the things that they say and the things that they let go on. But that's the direct attack, which is never going to happen to you as a man or woman of God. But as a child of God, he will come at you indirectly. And again, he comes at you through three different modes. Um, 
He comes at you through the world, through he himself, the world, or your flesh. And the world, whenever you hear the world talked about, that's the corporate expression of all the flesh-centered individuals who make up the human race. And that's why Paul said in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the world. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Do not be conformed to the world. Romans 12, 2. Let's look at that real quick. Romans 12, 2. That's why I got my Bible here. I love my Bible. I said I love my Bible. Amen. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be renewed, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, that perfect will of God. Let your mind be renewed. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world. Your life as a man or woman of God should not look anything like the world. You shouldn't dress like the world. And I'll even say it's about women. Don't remember the Bible says a woman without discretion is like a is like a pig with a gold ring in its snout. In other words, that has to do with if you're a woman of God, dress like a woman of God. You don't have to give in to have to dress like all the society and all of the ways we see other people dressing, which they're barely having clothes on. As a woman of God, you don't do those things. I'm just, I'm being honest here. We can't let the world uh, form us into its mold. We're not of the world anymore. We've been taken out of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. So don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. Um, don't let it squeeze you into a small. Don't react like the world. Don't don't be someone. Don't be a guy who says you go to church or you 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 say you're a believer but you cuss like a sailor. That's not becoming. That's unbecoming of a man or woman of God. That's unbecoming. I care what you say. It's not a good testimony to the unsaved people of the world around you. It's not. It's not a good testimony. And we're not going to be effective. Remember, the only real hope we have is to reach people with the gospel. And part of that is the way we live our lives. Our testimony speaks a lot. Our testimony gives people the credibility of who we are. And they go, man, I've seen this guy's life. You know, I, I'm going to hear what, I'm going to listen to what he says because I know how he lives. And, um, you know, that's why I always, it's just so important to be effective for the kingdom. But we can't if we live like the world. Um, the world is flesh-centered. It's flesh-governed. Um the downfall of what I will call this is the visible church. That's a church you see every Sunday gathered is because the world is even aligning with all these woke agendas. Why? I don't know. Maybe they're afraid to lose members. Maybe they're afraid to lose money. Uh, maybe they're afraid people are going to leave. But I would rather be targeted uh, by anybody uh, 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 rather than compromise what I know is truth. I will never compromise what I know to be truth in order to be liked better or in order to have more followers, or if I was pastoring a big church, or in order, order to keep and have more numbers in my church. Um, I'd rather speak truth. I'd rather be targeted than not tell the truth and not preach the truth. Uh, so the most basic attack against us is the flesh. Are you enjoying this? I know we're going a little bit longer, but it's a Bible study. So um, break it up in different sections. Listen to it different times. Um, the most basic attack against us is the flesh. We're learning how to win the war. Um, and when the Bible speaks about flesh, it's in a symbolic sense. It's not the meat and blood and bones of our physical life. It's a term that describes the urge to listen to the self-centeredness within us. It's that distortion of human nature, which makes us want to be our own God. 
It's that proud ego, that uncrucified self, which is the seat of willful defiance and rebellion against authority. I am not a god. I am not a little G God. I serve the true living God, capital G God. So it's we are that flesh is self-centered. It's that uncrucified self that's the seat of defiance and rebellion against authority. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, 8, 18, actually. He said in 7, 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. What's he saying? He's dealing with it too. Great Apostle Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He dealt with this battle. Why do you think he talked about what's that? Look at the insight that Jesus, the Holy Spirit gave him about the armor, spiritual armor. That came from inspired by the Spirit of God to write that down. Paul fought this battle. You fight this battle. And we're constantly fighting this battle against our flesh. Paul fought it. That old man still tries to rise up. It's like we live with a traitor inside of us. But we have the ability to be victorious over that. Remember, the Bible tells us that Jesus has always given us a way of escape. There's no temptation that's ever going to come to us that we don't have a way to get out of it. Joseph ran. When he was tempted by Pharaoh's wife, he ran. She tried to seduce him over and over and over daily, it says. He ran from it. Instead of giving in to it, he ran from it. That's where we got to be. We have the opportunity to be victorious in every area of our life. Over every temptation to be more than a conqueror, we always have a way of escape. So this flesh, um, this, that's that unredeemed part of us. That flesh is where the devil attacks us again and where he attacks us indirectly. Um, through the essential character of human nature, he tries to distort it, to twist it, change it from what God designed it to be. Um, it's an amazing thing, the relationship between the, bo- the body, the soul, and the spirit. And it's beyond our human comprehension. Uh, but because these things, these three are so in- inextricably tied together, the flesh linked to the body touches the whole man. So it's important for us to see this. That flesh can affect us, but we have the victory over it. He can influence us, but he can't possess us in the body through the channel of the flesh. So let me do this real quick before we go today. How does he do it? He activates, he acts on us in the, through the avenue of the mind, which is our intellect. The devil makes his appeal to our human pride. He acts on us through the avenue of emotions. The devil works on the human fears and passions. And he works on us in the realm of, of our behavior. That's the things we choose to do and say. He makes his appeal to pleasure. Since we are essentially designed by God to respond to stimuli, he tries to affect us with lustful and devious and perverted stimuli. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. Even uh, Eve got appealed to, to the body, to her emotions, to the pride of her mind, and she fell for it. He did a really good job on her, and he caused her to eat of the fruit, and then Adam just followed after her, and now we're in the world of hurt that we're in right now. They sinned in a garden, and from that point on, every person born into the world is born into sin through Adam. But because Jesus came, one man, we can all be delivered from that through Christ the Son. Amen. So we're in a battle, but we need to learn how to win this. We need to learn how to live a life of balance and harmony and in, in, in being infilled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, God calls us, the devil tries to get our life out of balance. God calls us to a life of balance. Again, that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power and his wisdom 
Uh, we're used to believing our feelings, but feelings come and go. And most of the time they do not relate to, a, to reality at all. God created us as, emotion, as emotional beings. That's a good thing. But the devil's scheme is to create unbalance in that area of our emotions and to distort our emotions so that we're in one extreme or another. We need to be people, anybody who's dealing with your emotions, you need to get a hold of that. You need to have a life that's balanced and in harmony. And you will if you're in prayer and you're walking in the power and the filling and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Get a hold of those emotions. Don't let the enemy or don't let your flesh distort you and twist you all up because something you're dealing with emotionally. Get strength over that. Get balance in that area of your life and find victory in that. And um, he'll use his schemes and his negative emotions, cause people to be, you know, all the news that's going on, they're anxious about the future, they're anxious about decisions, about gas, food, all that's going on, anxious about whether or not God really loves them, is God going to supply, is God going to get us through this? Um, but yes, God's going to get us through this because we're in Christ. We're always in victory. We're always in victory. We're never defeated. If we're in Christ, we are never, ever defeated. It's awesome, man. We're never, ever, ever defeated when we are in Jesus. What a great place to be. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god verse 7 and the peace so be anxious for nothing but in everything we talked about prayer giving your prayers giving god your needs your your needs be thankful through your prayers let your requests be made known to god giving that emotion giving that problem giving thanksgiving and then in verse 7 and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, you're going to you're going to have a peace when you can't even comprehend how you could even have that peace. That's what that's what trusting and having balance in your life, harmony in your life through the power of the spirit, through operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, through letting him move in your life. That's the harmony and balance that comes that evens out your emotions and gets you living a life that is very balanced and effective for the kingdom of God. You are tired of the devil blunting your forward progress. Amen. You're, you're, you're tired of it. Remember, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of love, of power, and of self-discipline. That's all available to you. We have every reason to trust God and not to fear. We have every reason to trust God and not to fear. Listen. As I close this out, I'm trying to help you learn how to win the war. Amen. First of all, this is one key. Always know that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of your life. You need to submit yourself under Christ. You need to be submitted under the authority of God, right? You need to be submitted and in that position obeying God's word daily in everything that you're in. You should be going to the Word of God to find the answer and the truth for that. As well, we spend time in prayer. We get a prayer life. We get ourselves, we're praying an hour a day. Get up early and spend that time with God. It's going to be the most important thing you've ever done in your life. Get your life praying. And while we're praying, we're always throughout the day saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. He's there. It talks about continual fillings. We get baptized into the body by the Holy Spirit, but there is a need for continual, continual fillings. He will continually fill you, but you've got to allow him. Understand, you've got to allow him to fill you. In order for this glass to be full, 
right? I got to get everything else out of it. If it's half full with junk, half full with sin or half full with flesh, he can't fill all of it. He can't fill all of your life. You need to let him fill all of your life. That's how you walk effective in the power of God. That's how you walk effective in the power of the Holy Ghost. You got, you're filled. Every aspect of your life is filled because you have submitted. You have arranged yourself under the authority of God. You are obeying the word of God. You're spending time with God and you're armored up and you're walking through life, man, more than a conqueror. That's a real man. That's a real woman. You're walking as a real conqueror who is a true overcomer in Jesus' name. I said a true overcomer. I said a true overcomer. You're a true overcomer in Jesus' name. You're not a defeated foe. You're not You're not defeated. You're not discouraged. Get out of that emotion. Get your balance. Get your harmony in your life. Get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. No, you're not discouraged. You're victorious. You are victorious in Jesus' name. Put on the full armor of God. Never forget he tries to ruin your life, but he can't do it. He's already been defeated at the cross, which means we have the ability to always live in victory. Amen. Learn how to win the war. Blessed one, you are living in victory. Live in victory. I could say it for another hour, but I don't have time. You're going to turn me off. It's going to live in victory. Live in victory. Amen. God bless you. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name for everyone that's watching this. Oh, I pray, Father, they would in Jesus' name allow themselves to walk in the victory that you've afforded for them through the name of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit armored up. We thank you, Father God, for victorious men and women of God who are listening to this, who are going to walk away from this. God, filled up and fed up with the devil's tactics and filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit and fired up to go out and do what God has called them to do. I thank you for that, God. Change their lives and their mindsets and their thinking. Let them know they are victorious in Jesus' name, that they might be effective witnesses for the kingdom of God and in every other thing they have been called in to do by you. We thank you for this, praise you for this, in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this Brad Tuttle Ministries Bible study. I'm so glad you're with me. Remember, we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit. You need to hear about the Spirit. You need to not be afraid of the Spirit. You need to know the Spirit. You need to be operating in the Spirit, active in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So until next time, live your life all out for God but live your life an absolute, complete victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is Lord. God bless you.